Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on October 16th, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. This is what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the CEO and president of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, uh, Kelly Stroman, and of course with us because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Kelly, how are you? Good morning, all. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Kelly. <laughs> good, I mean, good morning, all. Um, good morning and happy Friday. Happy Foggy Friday. Happy Foggy Friday. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It is. The weekend officially starts. Doesn't it officially start on Thursday these days? It does. Right. It does. It does. It officially starts on Thursday. Yes, but uh, <laughs> Friday. This show. This show is really our kickoff for the weekend. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is. This is. Yeah. I. I always enjoy the Friday show because it. It just. It. It's. It signifies the end of the week. So. I'm, yeah. I'm always up for. It. it kind of wraps it up. I like Joe. I like the way you said purpose today. You had, <laughs> you, you had a lot of purpose yes. in your purpose. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You amped it up a little bit. So um, Thank Thank no, no surprise, we have another fair this weekend, virtual fair. Um, mm-hmm. The American Martyrs Parish Fair, which is normally uh, a smaller version of the Manhattan Beach Hometown Fair uh, is happening this weekend, starts tomorrow, and um, it's all virtual. There's, a, you know, they're doing an online auction. Uh, it's obviously a fundraiser. You know, these so many nonprofits are just really also hurting I know. the pandemic. I you know. know. People think of I know. People, people think kind of about what the, they can see with the, you know, with the brick and mortar businesses and stuff. But these nonprofits still, you know, need to raise money. And 
um, still, you know, find a way for the community to support and gather. And um, whether you're gathering virtually, uh, you know, what, whatever you're doing, I think people, they don't just want to go away. They want to, you know, participate in something. So uh, the American Martyrs Parish Fair is tomorrow. The online auction has launched. You can find it at AmericanMartyrs.org, www.americanmartyrs.org slash parish fair all sorts of wonderful things um to bid on and then they're going to have kind of a drive-through you know pickup for your items um keeping everything uh covid safe on uh sunday evening too so um support 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 so important american martyrs is such a staple such an amazing part of manhattan beach kind of kind of in the you know kind of been hard but it like you know the tower you know that goes up and mm-hmm. it's just a, a nice center place for uh, and, and actually really honestly it's actually located on center place i didn't even realize that until i said that anyways um <laughs> so su- support um the american martyrs parish fair that um is so important and then we have the chamber tomorrow is the young entrepreneurs academy yes. finalist Founders scholarship finalists from all over the country are competing via YouTube Live, and yeah, this is a big, big deal. These students are anywhere from grades six through twelve when they went through the program last year. So this is last year. This is the class of 2020, the the graduating class. This is their um, culmination of competition, which would normally would have been in May in Rochester, New York. Uh, Obviously that couldn't happen. It was pushed to August and that was pushed to a virtual event now. So our candidate who won our local competition, Taylor Ryan, is a lovely young lady. She is now in ninth grade. Mind you, she was in eighth grade when she went through the program last year, and she has created a company called Unstoppable Protective Gear, which is um, a uh, comfortable yet protective um, breast cup to protect you. Like she plays lacrosse. And, you know, mm-hmm. getting hit in the chest with a stick or, you know, a- an elbow or anything is, is painful. Um, I played competitive sports when I was her age, and um, it does hurt. and also can ruin the breast tissue so or scar it. So she has created um, a wonderful semi-soft with a kind of a hard outer, outer shell um, to protect um, the breast. And she is presenting that in front of a... Um, panel of entrepreneurs. I mean, these are big people tomorrow, and she gets to do her her pitch along with everybody else. And um, there are there's a People's Choice Award that you can vote for. There is, of course, the judges. You know, will um, pick their winners, and the kids can win uh, significant scholarship money. Um, it's been known, <laughs> excuse me, in the past that. Some students who didn't even place necessarily in the final competition actually are picked up and given scholarships and offered different things, you know, like outside of the program. So this is a wonderful way to be showcased, um, to launch her business, um, hopefully, obviously, to get recognition and uh, what amazing skills. I would have never done that when I was her age. I was so shy 
and quiet when I was younger, and let alone have an amazing idea and bring it to fruition. So I've seen the piece. It's amazing. They've incorporated some of the um, uh, impact-deferring technology that um, NFL football helmets have. Uh, it's really amazing. Um, so super excited for Miss Taylor Ryan. She is a freshman at Maricosta, and she'll be competing on YouTube Live. Her time slot is between 10.30 a.m. Pacific time um, to 12 p.m. She's panel number two. So you can go on to yeausa.org and pull up all the information or look at our website at the chamber, manhattanbeachchamber.com. In order to vote for the People's Choice Award, you do have to register in advance to be able to do that. Um, if you just want to watch, mm-hmm. it will be on YouTube Live um, for YE, YEA finalists. But super exciting. And um, I will give a full report back uh, next week, if not before. Well, Kelly, I have to tell you, I saw that in your newsletter. I picked it up. I was posting it. Uh, I was posting it to my website. It's just so exciting. Um, anyway, I was looking at the – I went to the YEA website, and I was looking at it, and it turns out – we have another student from the PV Chamber, YEA, that is also in the finals, a young man. Yeah. Mm. So, so, I, so I, when I had, I had originally just paid, copied and pasted from your newsletter, but then I went back and I changed it to include him. So we actually have two representatives from the South Bay. I plan on watching it because I love stuff like this. Um, and you want to know something funny? I, didn't, I wasn't exactly sure what her – what what she was what she came up with, but when I was fencing, we had breastplates, um, mm-hmm. but I was always getting hit in the upper arm, and I mm-hmm. would get bruises the size of softballs. Do you know that I actually went and I created an arm guard? I created an arm guard to wear on my right arm, mm-hmm. and it was so good that I ended up making them and selling them to other fencers. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That is, that's funny. That, I, I, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't go big with it or anything. It was just, you know, but I, I had people not just from my fencing club, but at tournaments, people would see it, and they'd be like, what is that? And I'm like, it's an arm guard I made. Oh, my God, where can I get one? So good for her. That's exciting. I'm, I plan yeah. on watching. I, I yeah. plan on and watching. Yeah. I think you'd be quite impressed with the um, evolution of her product versus what you wore um, uh, many, many moons ago. Because there are very hard, like almost like coconut shell protective gear out there and Mm -hmm. not comfortable whatsoever. Um, And hers has like this outer shell, again, with the um, diffusing impact, diffusing technology. But then the inside is kind of like a, um, foamy and neoprene type. Uh, it's amazing. And you just slip it right into your bra. So there's different sizes, but, um, you know, they even explore doing, do you do a, a whole bra? Or how, you know, what, what, what do you do? And they came up with just um, the inserts because everybody's different shapes and sizes and everybody kind of has their favorite bra, especially like athletic bras and stuff to wear. So um, it's very cool. It's, you know, it's a modern day um, version um, of the evolution and we shall see. I'm very excited for her. Uh, it, mm-hmm. Yes, very excited. I, as I said, I plan on watching. Um, so, so that's very exciting. Very exciting. I, you know, that's what I love about this show. You know, it's hyper local. We get to, mm-hmm. we get to promote things like this. You know, that you know they're not going to 
talk about this on on regular radio stations and stuff. So that, that's exciting. I'm very excited. Right. Yeah, and um, the um, the TV chamber does an abbreviated version of YEA. They do they start theirs kind of like a half year. They start it in January and culminate in May. We all culminate in May. Um, ours is um, like a seven and a half month program. Theirs is more like a five five month program. And mm-hmm. um, I have not seen um, who what panel is their um, finalist in? Did you happen to notice? <laughs> um, the same one, the same one. The same one, okay. It's the panel yeah. two, yeah, it's the same panel, so yeah. I can see cool. both of them at the same, yeah. Yes. Super fun. Exciting, yeah. exciting. Yeah, yep, 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 so love it. Um, love the, you know, these young entrepreneurial minds. Uh, we'll get Taylor on the show at some point, um, you know, to discuss uh, her product and her experience, and, you know, as it, it just blows <laughs> my mind, the creativity and uh, the resourcefulness that, these students come up with. So that's what I have for you today. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Joe, shall we, shall we get right to it? Let's do that. There is n- perhaps no more important subject long-term for our children, our grandchildren than environmental sustainability. There is something quite um existential about uh, taking care of our environment, taking care of our planet. And the city, for the city of Manhattan Beach to have the foresight to not just have a committee, but a permanent installation of, 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 of uh, management and understanding about those issues for the city to be able to make good long-term decisions this is not usual for most cities. So we have to find out how that uh, came about as well. Jackie, who's our guest today? Okay, we have a returning guest this morning, Dana Murray, Environmental Sustainability Manager for the City of Manhattan Beach. Now, Dana leads environmental sustainability policies and programs for the city, including climate resiliency, coastal adaptation planning, reducing plastic pollution, expanding the green business program, native habit restoration, and climate change mitigation. Dana is leading the city's first climate-ready program, which includes evaluating climate hazards such as sea level rise and storm drain flooding, developing a climate action and adaptation plan, updating the city's local coastal program land use plan and local hazards mitigation plan, and implementing a living shoreline project. Dana represents the city of Manhattan Beach as an alternate on the board of directors for the Clean Power Alliance of Southern California and is a member of Green Cities California and the Urban Sustainability Directors Network. Dana was formerly the senior marine scientist and coastal policy manager at Heal the Bay, where she worked on science and policy issues related to coastal habitats and marine wildlife in California. She developed Los Angeles' MPA Watch Citizen Science Monitoring Program, assessing how people use L.A.'s underwater parks, and served as the co-chair of the Los Angeles Marine Protected Areas Collaborative. Completing hundreds of scientific dives underwater, she has been a research diver for ReefCheck since 2003 and was awarded Citizen Science of the Decade by ReefCheck. Dana was previously a Peace Corps volunteer, a conservation science researcher for the World Wildlife Fund, and the Director of Education at the California Wildlife Center. 
Dana earned her master's mm-hmm. degree in environmental science and management from UC Santa Barbara, specializing in conservation planning and coastal marine resource management, and her bachelor's in geography and environmental studies from UCLA. So, Joe Kelly, this morning we're going to learn about the various environmental programs the city of Manhattan Beach has already implemented, the city's first climate-ready program, and another program called Sustainable MB. Welcome back to the program, Dana. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. Yes. So, I, I, you know, Dana, I'm from originally from Chicago, and so being from the Midwest, I think, you know, I still reflexively make fun of California, the land of flakes and nuts. The idea that small cities uh, like Manhattan Beach should have an environmental sustainability manager. Is this still innovative? Is is this still uh, as uh, unusual as it feels to me? Um, I wouldn't say it's completely unusual. For instance, I'm part of this group called the Urban Sustainability Directors Network, and it's essentially the chief sustainability officer for different jurisdictions around North America. And Mm -hmm. we have many hundreds of of cities that are part of this. And I think Mm -hmm. what um, we've seen happen is that in cities that want to think about long-term planning, essentially, and um, approach some rather technical issues, um, especially um, climate change mitigation, renewable energy, um, things like that, that having a position mm-hmm. like this is really critical for moving a city forward. Um, some of our neighboring cities also have positions like this. Um, the city of Hermosa Beach has um, two staffers that um, focus on um, environmental issues. Um, the city of Santa Monica has a whole department with about 17 staff that do this for their city. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's usually, you know, there's usually staffers in other departments like public works or in the city manager's office in some of the cities that that fulfill right. some of these roles, and then a, a good handful have um, dedicated positions that do it. Well, it's it's a testament to the forward thinking of Manhattan Beach leadership. I think that um, the the idea of having a key position named environmental sustainability manager, I think, is, uh, you know, the uniqueness of it. Obviously, you know, a city like Santa Monica, which is well known and has been well known for decades uh, as a a leader in um, environmental causes, whether it's, you know, for human environment or, or, or for the environment uh, in general, speaking of, uh, uh, the the wildlife uh, at the ocean, and of course, you're very much uh, qualified to speak about you know the fact that we are on the coast of the largest ocean on our planet is such a um, is such a an, an impact uh, you know position. We as the South Bay cities all the cities in, in on the coast of California should be the vanguards of talking about those issues that are relevant to the ocean in general, like plastics and like, you know, uh, uh, runoff and, 
and various kinds of, of inputs that we, we make into the ocean. It's a wonderful thing to have you uh, having that position, Dana. We are just thankful that our city leadership is um, so forward-looking. It's it's a wonderful thing to have. <laughs> and, of course, I agree. Um, and I think because the position was established um, back in 2008 um, through the city having a green committee, and that was identified as the number one way for them to further a bunch of the plans that they had come up with that they wanted to see. And I've been in the position now with the city for over three years. And I have to tell you, it's, it's so encouraging. I I have members of the public, but especially youth reaching out to me a lot about how to get involved, how to volunteer. Um, You know, is the city working on this or that? And um, typically we have a really good showing at some of the workshops we'll put on in the community. Um, any, like when we have a booth at the hometown fair, a lot of visitors will come by, and it really makes me feel like this is um, a really important and um, embedded value in our community. You know, I think a lot of people move to Manhattan Beach. Um, one of the reasons because they love the ocean, they love the beaches and the coast, and they and I also hear constantly that we have a really clean city as well. And so part of my mission in this position is to ensure that we have that going forward and make sure that we're doing the long-reach planning to protect both the people in our city and the environment. So so let's get to the larger questions. Like I know that, you know, so many different areas of our lives, our economy, our uh, our children going to school, everything's been affected by this pandemic. What has the impact of the pandemic been on our environment in general, the, the idea of sustainability? What has the impact been in your estimation in, the, in this last, you know, what did, what did you say, Kelly, the dog year of 2020? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what has it been, seven months now, eight, eight months? Right. But it feels like seven years. Feels like yes, <laughs> right. I know. I I had I I was just cringeworthy for months and months and months when we all had to the we couldn't take our bags in Dana to the grocery store. Yeah, you know. Oh, I know. And it just made me nuts. I'm like, I even would wash my bags, you know. And they're like, No, yeah, stop, right. stop, stop, stop. Oh my gosh, go back to your car. I was like. <laughs> there was there was some um, misinformation on that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, so what, that was tough. It, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, I, one of the negative effects, obviously, I think, was is with single-use plastic, and uh-huh. it never legally. Actually, we were always um, we were never barred from bringing our reusable bags into um, the grocery stores anymore. But there were OSHA guidelines that came out that said that. Um, grocery store um, workers weren't supposed to load people's bags for them in, in reusable mm-hmm. bags, but we could keep them in our carts or something that, you know, I've done in the past when I for, have forgotten my bag, we just load them, load our groceries back into the cart and then just put them in the bags in the trunk. And so there were workarounds mm-hmm. there, but unfortunately um, because there was, uh, there also was a shortage of paper bags in just for the first couple months. And so there was a confusion about whether people should be able to bring the reusable bags, whether people needed were were if they could 
use the plastic bags. And so actually in mm-hmm. June, after council direction, we sent out a reminder to the grocery stores that we still, in fact, have, you know, restricted plastic bags in our city for, for a long time now. We were one of the first um, cities to do so. And just to remind grocery stores to, to comply with it. And the funny thing is, is that we actually got a lot of pushback from community members wanting to bring the reusable bags or wanting to be able to have paper bags. They didn't want to use the plastic bags anymore either. And so it was, mm-hmm. I think, something that um, I actually didn't hear any pushback from the community about wanting to bring back the plastic bags after that. Um, a little funny story is in, in in my previous role, I worked at Fisherman a lot in Southern California on kind of sustainable fishing practices and stuff. And I'll never forget that there was one, there was a meeting, it was in Ventura, and we were talking about um, the lobster fishery in Southern California and ways that we can make it better. And there was this um, old fisherman, and he goes out to the Channel Islands and he's by himself every day. And, you know, he, he didn't really like to be around people much, doesn't like regulations. But there was one meeting, it was on lobster, but he brought up, he's like, you know, when um, your city started passing um, these plastic bag bans, you know, I didn't like, didn't like the idea of it, but I have to say, you know, when I go and, you know, drive my boat out to the islands, I, am, I rarely see plastic bags anymore. And I used to see like 20 plus going out there. And he goes, you guys really, it, it did make a difference. It really, I, I'm really glad you did that. And so it's, it's hearing things like that where, you know, we have data that, drives policy but it's on it's Mm -hmm. often the anecdotes that people have in their own lives that makes you realize you know these little things it's not just for the betterment of the environment but it also is the kind of thing i think we all want we all want clean air we all want clean water um dana i'll share something with you that i that will make you smile um my youngest son is a senior at uconn in connecticut and he's an environmental studies uh, major, and his he has he's all of course online right now. One of his professors, <clears throat> uh, not knowing that he was from Manhattan Beach, um, called out Manhattan Beach um, as a leader in California for um, our um, straw ban that we did. Uh, the you not we mm-hmm. you in the city did. Um, and she, you know, was calling it out in a positive way and, you know, mentioning, you know, different cities and called out Manhattan Beach and then went on to say how this, you know, quote, little town in California uh, continues to lead in environmental policy. And he was telling me, and I'm like, yes, I love that all the way across. We're being recognized. And then, and then of course, he's like, uh, well, you know, uh, ma'am, I'm from Manhattan Beach. And, of course, now she's just, like, uh, fascinated, you know. <laughs> but I, I, now, I, now I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wishes, but isn't that isn't that fun? Yeah, um, you guys that are being really recognized. Cool it, well, and and in the education, you know, um, way too. I mean, that that's huge. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I would say there's probably about eh, twenty to twenty five cities and and some counties that have reached out to me after we passed um, a more recent update to our plastic our pla- single use plastic regulations. Um, you know, cities from Laguna Beach to um, to Santa Barbara, to San Luis Obispo, all the way out to several Florida cities. And so I think what, mm-hmm. what I've been seeing with our plastic policies is that it's, it's often coastal communities because, you know, we rely on having a lot of, a lot of um, beach cities rely on, like, tourism and clean beaches and people wanting to make sure that the wildlife is healthy so their oceans are healthy. 
And so that's where I've seen mm-hmm. like a kind of a cascading effect. Often some of the policies that our city will pass get emulated by others. In fact, our single-use policy in Manhattan Beach um, just in the last year and a half essentially got replicated by both um, Redondo Beach and Hermosa Beach. And Culver City's um, exploring it right now, as well as LA mm-hmm. County and Long Beach. And so that also makes it a lot easier for businesses to comply. And Kelly and I actually talked about this a, a couple years ago, but it's one of those things that sometimes there's um, a start here in Manhattan Beach and we really rely on our residents and our businesses to kind of roll with the changes and help lead. Um, because once we get it going and other cities and businesses follow suit, then it becomes more understandable. So especially for a lot of the um, kind of local chains, like where you might just have a few of them in the South Bay or around Santa Monica Bay. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if we have a policy, but a different city has a different one, it's harder for them to comply. But working with our other neighboring beach cities and having very similar, if not identical policies has made it a lot easier, I think, for businesses to understand and how to comply. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of them wanting to comply once they, um, because they see how much waste there often is and they, and they want to do better. You know, they want, they want to make sure that their even a business's imprint is sustainable for the long term. Now, of course, as a, as a, as a as a part of the the fake media dana i have to say that the first thing that i think about when i think about your position is the ability to communicate with other cities seems to be such a central point you need to have a much larger staff so dana is your staff <laughs> 2 or 20 people how many people do you have on your staff um, be cute, well, cute I am laugh. part. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I do have a part-time intern. So I usually have yeah. um, one intern who's a current college student or recent grad. Um, it, yes. What I've been told is actually the internship in the city where we get the most applications for. So, it, which encourages me that there's a lot of youth that want to go into this field and think about the long-term yes. health of our cities. Um, so I do yes. have, and I'm actually about to have a new one start next week. My um, former intern, she lives in North Redondo, and she um, went to American Martyrs. So I've also tried to get kind of local and South Bay um, college students to help to help in, intern with the city, and they help me do a lot of the research. But um, I mean, I'm part of community development, which is where building and safety, code enforcement, and planning all is. And so a lot of what I do is, is similar to what happens in a planning department. So I kind of rely on a lot of my colleagues in my department and other departments in the city to help do the job. But the main way, community volunteers. And so we have this group called the Sustainability Task Force. And residents um, had to apply to get on it a couple years or two and a half years ago. And we had so much that we wanted to do, and it was built into the city's environmental work plan um, but instead of addressing just like one or two things at a time, um, the main way I saw to get get going on a lot of these was to enlist local experts that we have in our community. And so on our task force, we have about 10 residents. We have um, about 10 to 15 staff from different departments in the city and two council members. And it's a, wor- it's a working group. So it's an ad hoc working group that helps further um, some of these initiatives and policies in the city. And so without those volunteers and without my intern, it would be very difficult to get 
all of this done. Um, the other thing is for the last two years, and we're on hiatus right now during the pandemic, but we have the Sustainable Youth um, Council. And so they were uh, 20 middle school and high school students in Manhattan Beach, and they really helped us do the outreach portion of different environmental initiatives in the city because it's really you know, a big part of my job is responding to council and doing the scientific and data research to inform good policies and programs. And, but at the same time, in order to have a successful policy or program, you really have to have meaningful public engagement, not just like public outreach that you mark a box and check off, but actually talking to people, getting their feedback, and also making sure they have the resources um, to understand um, programs and policies in our city. And so this youth, this youth task force, um, and Kelly probably remembers because we had them at, you know, the hometown fair. We've had them at the peer lighting event where they went around and talking to their fellow community members um, about different initiatives that they really care about. And so it's through these volunteers that I feel like we get a lot of the work done in our city. Of course, Fantastic. more staff would always be great, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we gotta make we're, we're trying. My, my history's a nonprofit. <laughs> well, Dana, eventually we'll have to build a huge bureaucracy for you. Uh, millions and millions of dollars budget every year. But, you, but, you just have to. But you. But before. Yes. But before you do that, Joe, we need to take a station yes. break. Before yes. that, yes. <laughs> Ladies before and that, gentlemen, yeah. <laughs> you're listening to the South Bay Show, and we come to you every. Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. We're proud to be a hyper-local podcast focusing on the issues of uh, climate change, of, of, of uh, sustainability, of music, of, of small business, uh, culture, art in the South Bay from uh, El Segundo uh, on the uh, north to Palos Verdes on the south and from the water uh, east to Torrance. Uh, join us uh, regularly, 8 a.m. on uh, Saturday or <laughs> Thursday mornings and 8 a.m. on Friday mornings. We bring all the same focus with the same uh, issues on Fridays, but in, on Fridays we're specifically focused on the city of Manhattan Beach and the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber because we're proudly sponsored on Fridays by the Manhattan Beach Chamber and we're very uh, uh, glad about that. This this uh, in, infuses our show with uh, such uh, wonderful uh, guests, such as uh, Dana, and uh, you, you get to see the impact that a small city like Manhattan Beach can have, not only just on our, our local uh, Southern California uh, region, but uh, cities across the nation can come and uh, see the example that is being uh, set by uh, Manhattan Beach, uh, California. What a what a wonderful thing! And if you ever want to um, access our podcast uh, in uh, uh, other times, you can just say to your local smart speaker, "Hey Siri, Hey uh, Alexa, uh, Google, uh, play the South Bay Show." We can be found twenty four seven, three sixty five, all over the world. So thank you for joining us today. Um, when we talk about environmental sustainability, and you've already uh, identified, uh, Dana, that, uh, that several opportunities for young people to get involved and look towards the future, perhaps if they want to get involved in this kind of a, uh, of a career, 
do you see how do you see this growing um if you're not going to have a, a a super large bureaucracy how do you see the the uh sustainability efforts in Manhattan Beach growing throughout the region here in Southern California, Redondo, Hermosa, Manhattan, uh, and so forth. Well, um, I mean, this touches on what you said earlier about different cities talking to each other. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's, that's paramount. You know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, we can share our resources and our information and, you know, everything that's going into our, like our staff reports and council meetings is public record. And so, what I found, I came from, you know, a science-based nonprofit where what I was saying before the break, um, you know, I was really cognizant of the bare bones budget and often funded most things through grants. Like I do actually in the city, I forgot to mention, you know, a lot of our programs are funded through and a lot of them from the state. And mm-hmm. so we, to get things done on, on a, on a smaller budget, you know, you really rely on volunteers, you really rely on grants, but you also rely on um, kind of, the public being engaged and buying into it and wanting it. And I think that that always makes my job easier the more that the public um, supports it and sees the value in this. And I really feel fortunate also that I feel like the issues that I work on are bipartisan. And so they benefit all of us. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when I worked to kind of further work on this with other cities, you know, we leveraged information that we, that we have, for instance, the other day, I actually work with um, my counterpart in San Luis, city of San Luis Obispo all the time, and his council had recently directed them to look at like gas-powered landscaping equipment, which seems pretty obscure, but I had just done that for our city this, earlier this year. So I was able to share the research mm-hmm. that I had done with him, and in turn, I've been able to um, gain research from other cities. For instance, when I first started in Manhattan Beach in 2017, one of the very first things I had to do was research what community choice energy was and um, I had no idea coming in and what it turns out is basically you can have what's called a JPA a joint powers agreement with different public jurisdictions in this case it's with um, 30 cities and two counties to kind of form a group together to buy our power together and so what Mm. formed into the clean power alliance which I'll get into in a second but it was such a huge thing and you had to understand the energy grid and the electrical system. And, you know, I went in just thinking like, I just know we get our power from Edison and this is a lot of research. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to my colleagues in Culver city in Santa Monica and in Hermosa beach and kind of got the skinny and and found out, you know, what this is about. I also talked to my counterpart, Sona, who now works for the city of Irvine, but was with Manhattan beach for the um, almost a decade. And, by getting that information from them up front, it brought me up to you know a certain degree of speed where I still did my research, but um, I immediately got folded into the issue, and I didn't need to start with our council from square one, that I could take it from where um, Sona and our public works director had kind of built it from previously. Um, and just a little plug for what Clean Power Alliance is, is that um, it's, it's called Community Choice Energy because it means that all residents and businesses in our city have a choice on um, where their energy comes from and what's the composition of it. So instead of just having the investor-owned utility as our option to procure our energy, we now have Clean Power Alliance, which um, LA County and Ventura County and 30 cities in between are a part of. And actually, uh, Clean Power Alliance has been providing our energy in Manhattan Beach and, and Redondo Beach locally um, for over a year. And we're already the largest renewable energy um, 
we have the most customers that, that have 100% renewable energy in the whole country now, and we're a new um, community choice energy program. Like they've been existing for <sighs> better part of a decade in Northern okay. California okay. and other parts. Okay. Dana, Dana, I, 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 no, no, not, not at all. No, <laughs> no, this is, we need to slow down and focus. This is news. This is, this is a headline that I don't think that people really can appreciate uh, without it being sort of highlighted for the last year you're saying that Manhattan Beach, along with other cities here in Southern California, have been able to choose their power sources and have been able to form the largest uh, collection of renewable energy users, consumers, in what area? The country. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's, that's amazing. It was a press release a couple that's weeks amazing. ago. I tried to get the papers to pick up. <laughs> wow. Um, there's more good news actually on it. So to that, start it up, that is, the, wow. county, the county um, gave Clean Power Alliance a $10 million loan to start it up in late 2017. And in late September this year, it's completely paid off. So Clean Power Alliance is also now completely debt-free. And they've been able, we've been able to, because our cities are part of it, because we can say we, we've been able to, um, at first it was a million dollars, but now put $2 million towards COVID relief on people's bills in in the cities who get Clean Power Alliance. So if people are having an economic hardship due to to the pandemic, they can apply for these bill credits. And Clean Power Alliance has already given out around a million dollars and has now just recently at our last board meeting allocated an additional million to COVID relief. So that's the other cool part is that there's no profit shareholders that are making money off Clean Power Alliance. If there's a profit, it goes right. Community programs that stay local. So, so Dana, uh, did, does, with all with all of the wait a minute, Joe, with, with all of the the renewables that we're using, does that uh, is that saving the customer money directly? Um, it does drive the basically. Okay. So our default rate in in Manhattan Beach, and I live in Redondo Beach, so it's also for Redondo, the default renewable energy rate is 50% renewable energy, and that's our base rate. Um, and mm-hmm. that cost to us as customers is equivalent to Edison's base rate, which is around like 30 32% renewable energy. And so it does it, – it, we get more renewable energy at um, the same or lower price than we did through Edison – However, if people opt up to 100%, it's a 7 to 9% premium. So, for instance, um, in, as a customer in Redondo Beach, my husband and I opted up to 100%. And let's say our average monthly electricity bill is $100. Well, that's like 7 to 9 extra dollars a month to get 100% renewable energy. Um, but it's worth it to us. I mean, that, that's what, like two cups of coffee at the local coffee shop? It's, mm-hmm. But we have an electric vehicle. We know when we're plugging it in that, that – our power is coming from wind and solar and battery storage predominantly. Right, so right. If anybody drives a vehicle, it makes sense to go to 100%. Yes, yes. I, I just was thinking in terms of when people uh, install solar in their home and, you know, their electric bills take a nosedive. You know, I have several friends that have done that, and, you know, they they, they post their electric bill online, $1.39. 
you know, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, $87 a month. So I, that's, I, that's why I asked that, because I was thinking in those terms. Well, that works, too. I mean, there, there's also incentive programs so that if people have installed their own solar on their home, and let's say they generate more energy than they need, there's programs to, to, for them to sell that back into the energy grid. And so there's definitely right. incentives that, that way. Um, I will say that, you know, some people's homes, um, you can't install solar, or it's like um, multi-residential, so you, you can't do it yourself for your place. Or, for instance, for me, or my family rents in the South Bay. And so although I would love to have solar panels, I, I can't. And so getting 100% renewable energy through Clean Power Alliance is the really easy way to, like, green your energy immediately. And in California and in our cities, our energy consumption is often our biggest contributor to our, our greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. So it's a really – it's a small change that can make a huge difference for all of our lives, especially mm. into the future. You know, um, I have a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Um, I've been sitting here listening, fascinated. Um, not, Manhattan Beach has not only done the plastic bag thing and the plastic straw thing, you've also done the food waste program where there's a mm-hmm. separate – uh, bag for food waste, you know, and I've been, Joe's been hearing this for years. You know, when we mm. first got, I, I live in the city of Torrance, and when we first got our recyclable uh, trash bin, it was a v- within very short time. Every week when we put that at the curb, that recycle bin is brimming, and I have mm. next to nothing in the regular trash bin. It's mostly food waste. So, the, I'm curious. Do you have any any idea? Because you're you're working with other local cities. Do you know if that food waste program is coming to other cities in the South Bay? Well, we've had it in Manhattan Beach for many years now, and we have the food waste program in Redondo Beach for sure too. And I don't know for sure in Hermosa, but I feel like they do as well. Um, you know, there's there's more state regulations that are trying to kind of like divert um, waste from the landfill because they're starting to figure out. Well, first of all, you know, our, our recycling system, not everything's really recyclable that used to be anymore because a lot of it was getting right. shipped to other countries to process and they couldn't, they didn't need anymore. You know, they had too much. And so there's still things, obviously, that are always worth recycling here and things like especially glass and metal and things like that. Um, so, But the food waste is another way to divert waste that would just be going to the landfill. Um, my my cousin lives up in Portland, and the interesting thing is when I went up and visit her, their trash can is so small, and it it only gets picked <laughs> up like every few weeks. And their their yeah. food waste bin and their recycling bins are the big ones there. And so I think we're probably going to see a transition like that, you know, in Southern California. You know, we're halfway there, I'd say. Um, yeah, I don't think that you know going back to was it Kelly's question? You know, at the very beginning, we were talking about what's been the impact of the pandemic. On sustainability, I think everybody being home more, we're seeing how much waste we produce. And so that's often, you know, building awareness of our personal choices and our personal consumption can kind of lead to us trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I reduce the amount that's going in my trash can? And, well, actually any of the cans, right? Um, But also make sure that I can divert as much as I can from just going to the landfill where it won't break down. Right, right. Well, you know, the other the other thing I wanted to mention, you know, we've been focusing on coastal cities because we're right on the ocean, but the cities that are inland have just as big of an impact on our oceans because mm-hmm. their stuff is draining, you know, through the coastal towns out to the ocean. Um in addition to 
you know, the plastic waste. Now, you know, they, they, they use just as much recyclables and, and other stuff that we do. So um, I'm just curious, you know, uh, if you're living in Gardena or Hawth- a Hawthorne or uh, Carson, you know, you may not think about it, but that oil that you're pouring down your curb is eventually going into <laughs> our ocean. So, well, it's well, true. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, so We're I'm, all connected. I'm just, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I get, I get that it's the coastal cities that, as Joe said, are at the vanguard of of this. Mm. But you got, you got to start working your way inland because it's it's coming. It, you know, it, it dumps into one ocean or the other, right? Oh, I completely agree, and um, it is encouraging because a lot of inland cities have also taken the lead on this, realizing because they also don't want it in their neighborhoods. You know, we used to call the the single use plastic flags the flimsy ones. You you can't recycle them. You can't you know, they, they fall apart, they blow away easily, the urban tumbleweed. People don't want those in their neighborhoods either. So I think a lot of cities have passed um, plastic regulations also to clean up their own neighborhoods and beautify them. Also to reduce greenhouse gas emissions because they're made out of, um, you know, they're made of oil. And so there's, there's mm-hmm. some cities in California that passed, passed regulations on, on straws and bags with more of like a, a climate focus reasoning to do it um but our, right. we are seeing across the board i mean la county is exploring their own polystyrene regulations and so those are like far-reaching effects that'll kind of you know um influence the rest of our, our inland areas but there's, there's plenty there's over 100 cities in california that have banned um, polystyrene or styrofoam just like we have over 100 and so those and we don't have that many coastal cities so there's a lot of inland that are also taking the lead um, also, just because you mentioned Hawthorne and Carson, both those cities are also part of Clean Power Alliance. And so the residents and businesses in those cities can also um, get 100% of their energy from renewable sources if they choose to. Well, you know, there's been an old saying, as goes California, so goes the world. So, Joe, all the nuts and you're, I'm sure you're proud to be one of the nuts and the flakes now, right? <laughs> I am certainly <laughs> proud to be one of the nuts and flakes. Yes, I am. Uh <laughs> Absolutely. This, Dana, I have to say, this is uh, so absolutely uh, impressive and uh, newsworthy that I think uh, this has to be. Kelly, how do we get this to be more uh, widely recognized in the city itself and then in a wider fashion throughout the, the Southern California region? How do we get this to be more widely known? You know what? It takes people like Dana. <laughs> and and, <clears throat> and it, it takes it takes a village, you know, uh to educate. We always say we can we can talk and talk and talk and we can educate, but people have to see the benefit and they have to feel, you know, they have to want it and and believe that and this isn't just a short term, this is a long term thing. Mm-hmm. And you'll put it you'll put it in your you'll put it in your newsletter, Kelly. I'm sorry, yeah. I, I lost part of what you said, um, Jackie. Uh, I, I, I said you can put it in your newsletter. I get a lot of information oh, from the Chamber's newsletters. Thank you for reading mm-hmm. the newsletter. I'm glad you like and it. And I also <laughs> I also I also copy and paste and use it freely. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Good to know. But of course, that's we, we love that. Well, well, no, Kelly, Kelly's you know that. You know, yeah. yeah, you, you know that 
how many people copy and paste directly from mine to theirs. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's it's yeah. like a big it's a big it's a big circle. Yeah. Yeah. So it oh, does yeah. get what, out. What, it does yeah. get out. Yeah. Exactly. What what I want to say is is Kelly actually when I first started in the city, Kelly was one of the first people that reached out to me, introduced me to many of the business owners. You know, she was then at the time part of the downtown Manhattan Beach Professional Business Association and, you know, inviting me to their meetings. And, um, you know, there's a lot of local business leaders that I think also really helped further some of our initiatives. You know, Andrea Zislis from the Zislis Group was one of them was a really um, quick partner early on. And she's trying to get more and more restaurants to be part of um, um, Surfriders Ocean Friendly Restaurants. But we actually have this really cool program in um, both Manhattan Beach and in Hermosa Beach called the Green Business Program. And at our council meeting on Tuesday, we're going to do our annual recognition of our newly certified green businesses in Manhattan Beach. And um, the mayor and I worked with a few of the local um, businesses as well as um, a woman who lives in Hermosa Beach named Lisa Ryder-Moore, who administers the Green Business Program. And um, we made a little promo video that we're going to show at council on Tuesday night before we recognize the green businesses. But if any businesses are listening and they're not certified yet, basically what you get is, is, an, um, is assistance in increasing your energy efficiency, um, working on water conservation, and reducing your waste. And if you meet certain um, parameters, you can get green business certified and you get um, help with promoting the, your green business. And there's even like up to $500 little kind of um, mini grants or incentives to help or rebates to help make it happen. Um, and I, I, we've certified over 50 businesses in our city to be, become certified green businesses. And it's a really cool program that um, is multi, has multi-benefits and even helps businesses on bottom line because it increases efficiency and lowers the cost. I, I I bet you I know one of them. I bet you I know one of them because I bought from them last weekend at the Riviera Village Farmers Market. I went to the Wasteless Shop, and and uh, mm. they had a booth uh, there at the market. We had we had uh, Stephanie Cochran on. Uh, I think it was last week, and yeah. she was telling us about all these incredible products. Dryer balls. I picked up a bag of dryer balls, and uh, <laughs> and. and 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 the, uh, the, the 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 laundry soap and the stain remover. I I picked up about half a dozen things, um, and mm-hmm. and I, 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 I bet she's one of those shops. She has to be one of those. Uh, oh, she is definitely. Shops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You might mm-hmm. see her in that video on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Lisa Ridemore is wonderful and a great partner to all the businesses. She'll go in and literally you know, get in the business, get behind the scene, get in the kitchen and, and help these businesses um, modify their practices, you know, and their procedures so they can recycle better, so they can deal with their food waste better, so they understand how if they change out their light bulbs, you know, how it it can save the environment. And, um, you know, I, it's people like Dana, it's people like Lisa, it's, you know, people like Stephanie Cochran last week that we had on um, that just, that they make the difference. But you know what? Um, one thing I do want to ask you, Dana, is, you know, on a on a larger level, outside of the city, I think the city, you know, carefully looks at policy and has adopted and been, you know, has blazed trails in the um, in the sustainability um, sector for sure. Um, why do you think it's tougher to pass legislation 
on a state. Why don't more cities do it? And you know, like on, on a state level, and then let alone a national level. But let's just talk. I have more. I, I more have, I have one word state. for you. I have one word for you, Kelly. Lobbyists. I know. But I want to hear from Dave. Thank you. I want to hear from Dave. <laughs> I have to be careful what I say, though, Kelly. I'm a public servant, so I can't. Maybe you guys. Yes. I'll leave it to you guys to answer. But no, I can. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I would say that, you know, like, it, it sometimes gets hijacked in politics, and it's unfortunate because I think, like I said earlier, you know, these, these issues should be universal values. These are universal things that benefit us all, uh, and especially for the long run. And, and I think it's just, it, it, it could be, like what Jackie said, um, influences a lot. But, you know, I still, I'm an optimist, and I still retain hope that, um, unfortunately, as we see more effects from climate change, more people will realize how important it is to address it. It's not that far off. We're seeing effects now. Like, locally, we see more high heat days. You know, when we do get rain, we have more um, volume of rain at once, so it's harder for our to permeate our ground, and so it goes straight out into the storm drain systems and pollutes our ocean. You know, and then of course, um, coastal erosion and sea level rise. And what we're seeing when we have those high tides is a glimpse into the areas along our coast that really will become flooding hazards going forward. And of course, you know, our air quality, especially some wildfires that are exacerbated by us having longer droughts and more um, hot days and changing climactic patterns affecting um, our, our local weather. So, you know, having a certain time of year where we get more of those Santa Anas or up north, the Diablo winds. So it's a blessing and a curse that we're actually seeing such a, a horrible year with, with the effects of climate change. Um, but I, my optimism is that it, it, it touches every one of us. So it's one of these things I'm really hoping – that everybody can get behind and we can all work for it together to try to solve. Cause that's the biggest challenge with climate change is that it's, it's a global issue, but we have to solve it locally and individually at the same time. And so it's one of those things we really have to come together to try to, it's like, it's like world peace, right? Where we have to come together to get it done and we know we all want it. It just sometimes requires some personal lifestyle changes that, um, we know we need to make, but we can we can do it better together. Is that corny enough? And yeah, no, I no, I agree. But it, it does. It, it takes um, it takes that passion and that education. And I think in Manhattan Beach, we're particularly fortunate because uh, we started years and years and years ago, even before um, Sona was in the city in that position. Uh, your predecessor, Dana, it was um, Grades of Green. You know, we had Grades of Green started. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, 12, 15 years ago. And, you know, they got into the schools and were teaching the kids how to separate their trash. I mean, something very simple. And then all those kids go home and go, Mom, don't throw that in that can, throw it in this can. You know, I mean, it starts with the youth, too. And I I would imagine, you know, from education programs and now colleges, too, offering more environmental studies majors. And I... It just takes a long time, I guess, to evolve into a cleaner um, world, you know. And as those kids um, grow up and now go to college and, you know, and then start their own families and practices, then hopefully they'll carry those, you know, wonderful lessons. Good habits. Yeah. Good habits. Good habits. Yeah. Do something enough times that it becomes a habit. But there's been another fantastic show, but, Joe, we have to wrap it up. 
It's Friday. We've got some weekending to do. We've got some weekending to do. Dana Murray, Environmental Sustainability Manager for the City of Manhattan Beach, California, 90266. You are amazing, and you're you're setting such a great example. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Fantastic show, uh, Jackie Kelly. This is this is uh, this is one for the books. Wow. Kelly Thank gets all the credit for that. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. We're all in this. Yeah. We're all in this together. How many times have we said that this year? But we are. Um, Dana, thanks for taking the time out of your day and homeschooling and everything. I'm sure you've got going on in your house. So thank you so much. And Joe and Jackie, it's always a pleasure. Um, have a wonderful weekend. Fantastic. All thank right. you. Bye. And thank you, Jackie. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. We have some weekending to do. Have a wonderful uh, weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.